Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Muslim Bitcoiner podcast. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Arak Pasha. He's actually a friend of mine that I met on Bitcoin Twitter and we've we've talked a lot online. And he's he's interested in Bitcoin and he's also a urologist and he's also the author of a children's book series about nutrition and health. It's called uh, the website is called My Superhero Foods, and I'll have that link in the in the show notes. So, Tariq, welcome to the show. Salam alaikum. Thanks for having me, Abdullah. It's a pleasure to be here. Alaikum salam. So, I guess let's 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 first start talking about Bitcoin. I want to get kind of like you've talked about this with me before, but like, how did you get started with 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 your Bitcoin journey? Did you ever go through like a shitcoin phase, or did you go straight into Bitcoin? We all go through the shitcoin phase. Pardon the language. Uh, I don't know if it's funny, <laughs> but we all go through the crap coin phase. I think it was interesting. I knew nothing about finance and nothing about. I mean, I knew a little bit about stocks, but it mean it being a, a doctor and a going through medical school. We were so busy in the books, we didn't really do know much about anything finance related. You know what I mean? It's like books, 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 books. So interesting. I I stumbled upon Ripple. XRP in 2017. And my dad, obviously, this cool thing called Ripple. And I didn't even know what it was. You know, it's going to replace the banks. And okay, I was like, okay, that's kind of neat. And then I'm like, so I look into it, buy a little bit of it. And believe it or not, bought it around 19 cents, went to $3.84. So it was oh, wow. huge, yeah, but I ended up I ended up selling it around a dollar sixty, kind of as it as it was crashing back down. But this was in 2017, 2000, uh, 2017, uh, the where Bitcoin went up to, you know, to 20K towards into that bull market run. But uh, yeah, so, and then I started like, you know, looking at Polkadot and, and ETH, Ethereum and all that. And and it took me a second to get to Bitcoin. I looked at Bitcoin as kind of like a grandfather asset, boring for boomers. Just kind of the idea that it's not going to make much gains and kind of but not an exciting thing that, you know, the altcoins are seeing 1,000, 10X, 100X. But we also didn't see all the ones that went to zero, as most of them do in, in a long mm -hmm. enough period. So then I guess, like I said, at, at the point, you know, so I definitely had the phase. And then I uh, read the Bitcoin standard. I mean, we all know uh, Saifuddin Hamus, you know that. And then I just started to understand what money is. And then also, too, which is kind of interesting, starting to understand what money is and, and, the, and what it's meant to do and the problems or what problems we face in today's issue, even how that ties into Islam and Riba, that's interest. And of course, we all know the Islamic stance on, on interest and base economy. So all that kind of put together kind of started me on down the rabbit hole and everybody's rabbit hole. We could talk hours about each of our, you know, own, own rabbit holes. But as, as I've studied a lot of the books, you know, of uh, particularly, you know, Parker Lewis, and you got a lot of guys like, uh, of course, Michael Saylor and, and, you know, all the, you know, uh, saying, you know, uh, the bullish case, Rick, and of course you, or you were on the, you were actually the first article I read from a perspective. I put it actually, you actually, it was the, it was the Muslim case for Bitcoin. And I actually have a copy in my copy of, in my Muslim, you know, as, as <laughs> it was a, Great article. I encourage all Muslim brothers to read it. It's still very valid and good. I don't know if you've updated it. It's a fantastic read. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm very flattered. Actually, like, you know, when I, I kind of had a similar path when I started learning about Bitcoin. I, I didn't actually, like, you know, have, like, a shitcoin phase because, as I've stated before, my older brother made sure to make sure that, like, I stayed away from, from all of that. But, you know, I, I also, like, read the Bitcoin standard, and that's kind of how I got interested in it. And that's, like, you know, when I around the time when I made my Twitter account, I think it was, like, in 2021, yours was, like, your account on Twitter was, like, one of the first ones I found 
oddly enough, subhanAllah. And yeah, like, like from, from there, you know, I started to notice that there were like other Muslims that were interested in Bitcoin, but I noticed there wasn't really like a lot of stuff written or talked about. And if it was, you know, it was always talked about from like a blockchain or crypto perspective, another thing that I like to complain about. But yeah, like made you decide to get on, get on Twitter and start, start hanging out at Bitcoin Twitter, or I guess it's Bitcoin X now, sorry. Yeah, yeah, a big question. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with you in the sense that I was, you're trying to, you're trying to save your energy, you know, as Michael said, like, and that's what kind of money is, you're trying to save this energy in a, in the best way, you know, to please your God, to please, you know, please your God, and you're trying to save it, your hard work through time. And then you start, you start understanding, I never knew or cared about inflation. I knew nothing about inflation. I knew nothing about money and its, and its properties. And then you're like, wait a minute, you know, so much like, like within seven to 10 years, if you just put it like, put it under your mattress, within seven to 10 years, it's 50% of it's gone. If you, even in our, the fiat dollars, which is, is the better of, of all the currencies. I mean, so that started to kind of play with me in this idea that now I'm working hard with all these bills to pay and, and like, how do I, how do I like, you know, best save my energy through space and time. And, and then, you know, like, again, you know, reading through again, the Bitcoin standard and these types of things. And then I start like, okay, let me go on Twitter. And then I, you know, come across people like you within the, the Islamic or the Muslim perspective. And then we have these very interesting discussions about where does, where does Bitcoin fit from an Islamic perspective? Where does it fit in a American or, you know, an American Muslim perspective, or even for Muslims worldwide? And, it's been it's been awesome to be able to have these conversations and discussions and meeting you and and having you know with your Bitcoin Medjlis and you know what you guys have been doing, what we've been trying to do and just trying to get this me- this message across. And uh, again, it's a very important message. Yeah, yeah. And I also kind of found that that there was like this lack of dialogue, kind of you know talking about Bitcoin, not just from the Islamic perspective, but also kind of how that ties into economics and computer science and just like you know the progression of money and technology and i think you know reading the bitcoin standard definitely kind of like set that groundwork for me and you know it's just i think it's just really cool that you know we kind of have this like little small community that's on like social media talking about this and you know that's one of the reasons why we started bitcoin medjlis was because we wanted to kind of talk to other muslims about these ideas because you know there are some scholars that talk about this but it just seems like that it's not really they're not really diving deep into this at least you know i feel that way and i'm sure you feel that way as well but like what's what's been your experience i guess talking to other muslims about bitcoin has it been generally positive negative what are some of the obstacles you encounter? Find most most of the Muslims I encounter, even intelligent, like intelligent one, or even like savvy Muslims, you know, people in the stock market or in bonds, you know, bonds or or all <laughs> kinds of options, they don't like Bitcoin for the most. I mean, I don't want to say they don't like it. I, I mean, I mean, there's some that are clearly um, don't like it, but then there are a lot of indifferent Muslims. They're afraid of it. It's not real. It's not tangible. The, so to summarize it, you know, you know, kind of like the TLDR is that I think there's just a profound ignorance, profound ignorance, not just, I mean, you know, of course, within the Muslims as well as the world in general, but particularly the Muslims. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Oh, that's some fake money. That's internet money. Or that's some fantasy thing. You know, you can't do anything with it in the real world. You know, it has no purchasing power. It's not real. And I think, you know, again, I think it all boils down. To, I would have said the same thing until you understand what is money. What is economics like? 
what constitutes, why did gold become the most sound money? What is sound money? What is, what is weak money? What's stock to flow? I know that sounds fancy, but it really isn't fancy, right? You know, like, for example, if, if I can increase the supply of something, will the stock to flow is very, is very, uh, it's very high. I'm sorry, very uh, high. So understanding, like, in other words, it's not worth much, you know, it can be devalued very quickly. So this idea that why, you know, why is something worth something and why is, so it just gets you thinking along the pattern of, of what is, what is money? I think that if you understand or start to think about the roles and functions, I think that really can set you up to understand the conceptual understanding of Bitcoin. And then there's that technical aspect, the computer science aspect, you know, the cryptography and the electricity. Why do you need all that electricity? That's stupid. But the whole idea of proof of work and then anything in life, you need to, you need to make it somewhat difficult to obtain, right? Because why not? I mean, like oxygen, we, the one thing we can't go without, we will die the fastest, is oxygen. Why do we not pay hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for oxygen? Because it's wildly available, you know, it's not scarce. So, so it's kind of an understanding. It's not just that it's important, it's scarce, it's divisible, you know, divisible. Is it fungible? Is it recognizable? These type of things that you just start to really kind of like, like, you know, dive down that rabbit hole. It really opened complete new worlds. So, yeah, I mean, we can, like I said, this can talk hours upon hours but it's just fascinating i just think yeah. that there's yeah yeah for, for sure i mean you know i think i think what one of the neat things i guess going down like my own personal rabbit hole journey of going sorry going down the bitcoin rabbit hole i found that i've like i've been reading and wanting to learn more about like the islamic take on what economics is and how like kind of like that islamic economic thought has kind of developed over the years like well what is even islamic economics and uh you know it's kind of weird because like you said before you found bitcoin you don't really like explore these topics at all and you know like i would have never done that before like it wasn't until like i discovered bitcoin that i started like reading you know have this twitter thread or whatever that i where I, like i add books that kind of talk about like money or you know, banking or economics or finance from the Islamic perspective and kind of like how it loosely relates to Bitcoin, even though they don't talk about Bitcoin in general. But, you know, it does it does make you kind of like you said, it makes you question like what money is, what banking is. And, it, and there's also this other rabbit hole where you kind of start to question why riba is like so prohibited in Islam. But like once you start to learn about Bitcoin, some light bulbs go off and you're like, wait a minute, this Riba thing is actually really serious. And, you know, being able to look at it from like a Bitcoin or Austrian economic lens, you can kind of see like, oh, wow, this is this is definitely kind of interesting. And I don't see a lot of like Muslims or Islamic scholars talk about it. Do you do you see uh, I already know what the answer to this question is, but do you see Bitcoin as a way for Muslims to escape or fight Riba or like what aspect of Bitcoin makes it resistant to Riba in your opinion? Yeah. And, you know, that's again, that's the that's the the essence or the crux of this, you know, the podcast of the Muslim case for Bitcoin. I there is absolutely no other way that I can see that that takes away the, you know, the the interest, the debt, the these instruments that have actually we've never really understood how how destructive they are because we've kind of always lived in it. it's like a fish asking you know like they're always in the water is that how's the water they don't know because they're they've always been in that environment they're always wet so i think bitcoin is like you've just eloquently stated has allowed us to 
say, oh, wait a minute. I see, okay, when I when I leverage, when I go leverage or when I loan myself something or if I do something that, that kind of is a little outside, well, I would say little or, you know, depending on your opinion, if it's outside the folds of this time, you see how things can 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 be destroyed pretty quickly. It's, it's just, I think the big thing is, is, is Bitcoin has allowed us to reassess all these, these things like why, like you said, like, why is interest bad? I mean, what's wrong with, here's a little money and, you know, I get, I give you a hundred bucks and in, in three months, give you back $150. What's wrong with that? I mean, you know, when you've kind of grown up in that, that's all you've seen. And that's all, you know, it, it, you never question it. And I think this, this paradigm, the Bitcoin going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole allows us to to kind of question that more and see that at the end of the day so yeah but, yeah for sure i, I mean it's, it's it's definitely something that i feel like it's not really explored that much and i think it's definitely the way i will try to explain bitcoin and like i first have to kind of talk about these other concepts related to money related to fiat related to economics before you can kind of start to get like why bitcoin is significant sure i mean the whole idea of fiat is, you know, basically creation of money from thin air without any produ- productivity. Again, the idea in Islam is that money, money shouldn't generate money, like because there's no productivity there. So the so when you have something very sound, like hard, hard sound money such as gold or Bitcoin, or you know, we believe the the soundest money is Bitcoin. Is that you're going to have to work? You're going to have to be a better dentist. You're going to be a better doctor. You got to be a better business better, you know, have better products, goods and services, because you need to provide something of value for someone to part from the Bitcoin. If it's cheap money, you can just print women. It's just all over the place. You know what happens, hyperinflation and, and, the, and the devaluation, the currency and the corruption of society. You see zombie companies yes. that don't anything. But basically, what ends up happening is they end up with all this money from the government. It's just zombie industries. And uh, you have rent seekers, you have financialization. And it's just a lot of people talking about money, but nothing's getting, nothing's being done. So when that, that's, that blows my mind. Like you see, there's just so much of this, this financialization, this idea of, you know, making money, not really doing anything. I think Bitcoin is going to uh, demand that whole proposition to be reevaluated. Yeah. I think this is something, you know, that Alan Farrington talks about his book, Bitcoin is Venice. I think, I think you've really? You've read it, yeah. And where he kind of talks about like under a Bitcoin standard, you know, you don't have a class of people that makes money off of money. So right. what you're going to end up having is a sound money where that if you want to actually participate in the economy, then you will have to provide something of value and you'll have to kind of bear on that risk. You can't like Bitcoin doesn't allow for that dishonest risk transfer between like the 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 banking class, I guess, versus like the 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 other other classes. So like you have kind of like kind of to me at least the way in Bitcoin is anti riba is that you're less likely to lend out Bitcoin. You're 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 more likely either to hold on to your Bitcoin so that because you expect it to be more valuable in the future, or you lend it out for a business where you expect that the profits are going to be greater than what would have happened if you just held on to it. But you bear the risk each way. Like you're not just transferring that risk to someone else where you're just getting a fixed yield where you're, like you said, you're making money off of money. And I think this is a really good proposition for Muslims that are trying to understand Bitcoin and also sound money in general. Like gold, to an extent, kind of achieves that same aim. But, you know, as as we all know, with gold, it leads itself to to centralization. And that's kind of how we got into the fiat system to begin with. So 100 percent. I mean, there's no doubt Bitcoin is superior to gold, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you're going to have people that say, you know, but definitely gold is more sound than the fiat, fiat, which you have 
eloquently stated. I think also to it, I think also to what Bitcoin allows is it allows you to save your money for future optionality versus invest. Like I'm not an investor. I'm a doctor. (laughs) Why am I, why do I read Apple quarterly reports and what is a good investment? And what ends up happening is it causes me to make brash or rush investments that that like that could cause me to lose my money i mean I work hard and basically give it away to some slick guy who's you know who, who puts some fake charts up and shows you some fake yield or some fake promises i i and i'm not like i said again as a doctor that's not my job i don't sit all day reading charts and looking at financials or looking at you know profit margin sheets i you know cash balances i, I don't do that nor do i want to do that so it allows you to say okay look i made some money i want to store this money for future optionality or to help out my family or my kids or an orphanage or whatever, it's going to maintain its value. Or like you said, more than likely it's going to go up because we do believe Bitcoin will, as Michael said, up into the right forever. And it's true. It's going to be up into the right forever over a long enough time period. There's there really, I have no doubts in my mind about that because, because the dollar is going to zero. So yeah. if the dollar zero and you've got, perfectly actually the stock to flow of bitcoin is perfect it's approaching an infinity because the flow the flow of bitcoin is getting less and less and less till 2140 there's no flow so that's an high stock to flow it's there's you can't have anything harder or sounder than that it's impossible like gold you could maybe mine more gold like as the gold price goes up you're going to go pick you get some more pickaxes and some machinery and you're going to go <laughs> or maybe, you know you know and, and try to find a meteor but what i'm trying to say is that it does it because you know that it's not going to get flooded on. You know, there's only going to be one twenty one million. You know that it's going to hold its value. It's not going to be flooded or corrupted. It gives you that peace of mind. Hey, I can save this away. And I know it's going to keep its value over time, years and space. If I want to move, I can move anywhere I want and I can take my value with me. I, it's not in a building that can be confiscated, a bank account that can be frozen, or a tornado can, you know, ruin your house or your property. You got property taxes. Government can seize your your stuff. And this is something if you can just, you know, self custody it, you've got your wealth with you. It's pretty pretty liberating if you think, especially all the groups that migrated from, like, say, for example, the Jews when they migrated from Germany to the states, or any oppressed group that migrated from one place to another. You know, the you know the Palestinians, you know, couldn't take their property with it. Mm-hmm. This is. This is an option, the best option, to take your property with you. And if you can just remember your twelve words, or you know, you know, very very simple to to take to move it through space and and time. So yeah, it's really, I, I think a lot of Muslims, well, people in general, kind of dismiss that savings aspect of it. And they kind of like, look, oh, you're saving money and you're not investing it, so like you're just hoarding money. But like, actually, stop and think about it. Like, as a Muslim, you have to pay zakat on your wealth. But if mm-hmm. you're saving more necessarily means that you're actually paying more as a cat. And this is exactly what happened with me. I mean, before, like I found Bitcoin, I didn't bother saving. Like I may have had like, a, you know, I was investing like an in index funds or something. I didn't even sure. bother thinking about it. But now that I'm saving in Bitcoin, something weird is happening. I'm paying more in a cat. And like such a like, you know, it's really hard for me to explain to certain Muslims when I, you know, when they kind of have this aversion to saving or hoarding money, I'm like, well, if you don't have saving money, then how do you pay zakat on that? On one additional point, the the and this is the beauty of Islam. When you start getting to a point where you're where you've got so much Bitcoin, inshallah, may Allah bless you and bless you and all, inshallah, and everyone. 
when you notice that you're paying a boatload of money in Zakat, it's time to move that money, meaning it encourages you to invest it. It encourages you to give it in charity. It encourages you to build a foundation, a trust, orphanage, whatever. So Islam, really, if you really take it down to the nuts and bolts and you really understand it, it's mind-blowing because we think we're smarter. Like, well, so what? Like, I, you know, I have a thousand bucks. I give it to somebody. I want $2,000 later. Well, what's the big deal? It's my time. It's, and you start trying to rationalize and, and it sounds good in your mind, but Allah, God says in the Quran that Allah is at war and it's God and his prophet are at war with people that consume at war, and, you know, in Cleetown, you know, and that's a, there was no other problem or sin, if you want to say sin or wrongdoing that's associated with God's anger like that. And God even the word in Arabic, like he, money will be destroyed. It'll be like, it's like complete obliteration and destruction. You will, you will have success. Again, success does not mean more dollars in your bank account. It could with, 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 you know, with charity and actually zakat means to grow. So when yeah. you give, your money is growing. It's, it's paradoxical. You know? Yeah, I know. And it, and it's, it's kind of weird because like, you know, we talk about the concept of time preference and, you know, like planning for the future. Well, like here I am, you know, I'm saving more than I, I spend. And now not only does it force me to like think in the future in this life, but it also forces me to think in the future in the next life. So like it, it just kind of has this weird compounding effect of like being able to have a sound money to save in. It's forcing me to like look ahead to the future of like my kids, my grandkids even. And like even also thinking about your akhirah. So like now you have this wealth, uh, you know, so like right, 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 right now, like, you know, one of the things that we did during last Ramadan is that we actually raised money for an, an orphanage in Uganda. And, you know, like it's weird because it just flies in the face of people that are like, oh, well, you know, if you have like a fixed money supply, people are going to save and no one's going to spend. Well, like, no, that's not true. Like we literally have proof right now where, you know, there are Muslims that are saving their hard-earned wealth. They're saving it into bitcoin and then they're spending it but they're not spending it on like stupid stuff they're spending it on charity they're spending it on sadaqa they're spending it on their on their kids or like you know wanting to make make a future for themselves and, and their family so like this is this is kind of like a neat aspect of bitcoin that i feel like a lot of muslims haven't really like uh conceptualized at least out loud time preference is is, is critical to have a you know to have a low time preference you know, is in the idea of how Bitcoin alters our time preference. It's absolutely mind boggling. But if we think about it, remember when we die, deeds are cut off except for three, you know, the righteous offspring that makes prayers for you, you know, the knowledge that you learn and you teach and people benefit and the money, whatever you do with money, like a, an orphanage or a hospital or, you know, library, mosque, whatever, masjid, whatever, these are ways for your akhirah. So when you say, Okay, I've, I've got this savings. I'm gonna now. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do this. The whole idea of having this low time preference is instead of buying stupid stuff like buying, like you know, just whatever, whatever, you know, whatever is excessive. We know God does not like the the ones who who are wasteful and excessive. So it teaches it teaches us that it's it's truly remarkable, and it just kind of blows my mind how like more more uh, as Muslims we haven't like really grasped grasped onto it. I think we will, inshallah, you know, but it's it's going to take some time and education. What you are doing, what we're trying to do, it's been phenomenal, starts, you know, grassroots level, one person, five people, 10 people. You know, Muawiyah Tucker is doing a fantastic job. There are many guys that are, mashallah, that are, that are out there. 
you know, but eventually, you know, it will come. It's just a matter of time. I think there really is. I think it's, it's self-evident. Inshallah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, at least like in my Twitter echo chamber, I've, I have noticed that there are like more Muslims that weren't initially into Bitcoin. They're kind of like starting to open up to this idea of like, oh, you know, there's actually something in this Bitcoin thing that like actually might help the Ummah. There's actually something here that might help us like escape Riba. And there's like something here, like a necessary component, because every every Muslim kind of has this general feeling that there's something wrong with the global Ummah. Like, I don't think any Muslim thinks like everything is fine. Like everyone has their own opinion of what they think is is wrong. But you know, when it when it comes to like looking at riba and money, like you kind of like look at this thing that like, oh, this plugs this hole very nicely. This actually fixes the riba problem and all the downstream effects that we've like talked about earlier. And yeah, like like you said, it starts at a grassroots level and it'll it'll come with time, inshallah. We just need to keep I think we just need to keep making more noise and kind of living by example and using the tools that are out there and also to a certain extent like encouraging and even taking action ourselves to build tools that other people will use with how it interfaces with Bitcoin. And if you will, and one last point, you know, all three major Abrahamic faiths despise interest. I mean, I mean, if you look in the Torah, the Torah, the Torah, if you look at the Injil, and even in their, even in the Bible, the English Bible, when Jesus saw that they were dealing with usury or interest, Omad, he threw the tape and, yeah. it, you know, he's, and then again, a very, very, and Jesus was known to be very turned the other cheek, you know, very peaceful, nonviolent. I mean, this type of violent move, you know, turn or overthrow the table. So, I mean, it's fascinating. And even Jews among themselves, they don't they don't practice interest, but they then kind of, you know, then said, well, maybe it's OK if you're a non-Jew, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll practice interest. But it's fascinating if you look at the history and it's just unfortunately, it's kind of like it's become so widespread. I remind myself and I remind all everyone listening that the prophet, peace be upon him, he said there'll come a time where interest is so widespread that everyone will be will be involved in it even because it'll be involved the dust the dust of interest will will hit all of us it's i mean doesn't mean we don't try doesn't mean we don't try to get away from doesn't mean we don't pursue more sound money and anti reba principles and talk about it but it's become very challenging we even have like you see you know muslim blockchains islam chain or muslim chain and it's full of you know whatever i mean you know, i don't want to you know say anything bad about people but it the reality is there's all kind of scams unfortunately in in both you know islam christianity judaism non-muslim atheist other they're all I mean, human human is a human yeah yeah exactly and I, I think you definitely make the case that like uh even just looking at it from the usury aspect i think there's definitely a case that uh people from other faiths can look into bitcoin and adhere to their faiths by adopting a sound money and i think that's also you know conversations that that i've seen online as well I want to pivot the discussion to talking about health since you are a urologist and you know I've so I mentioned before you are an author of a children's book series you can check it out my superhero foods I've actually bought one of the books for my children children that are five years and, and younger and especially my my older kids they really actually enjoy the book and it's it's quite nice because these these books kind of encourage not just the children, but also the parents to, to make better, better nutrition and health choices. And I think, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with the low time preference aspect that we were talking about. So can can you just 
tell me how you started the idea of wanting to write a children's book series? Kind of what, what motivated that? Yeah, I appreciate it. That's a good question. Well, my wife and I are, believe that uh, we started together with the co-founders of MySuperheroFoods.com. And the idea was, why do we wait till we're 30, 40, 50 to understand what good nutrition is or what wellness is? Why are we learning? Why are we reading about the importance of sleep when we're 40? or the importance of whole nutrient-dense organic food? And how about movement and exercise, vitamin D in the sun and grounding, walking barefoot outside? Why do we learn these things as we get older? We believe kids should be empowered. We believe that if we feed kids the best information that we know and we provide them the opportunity to understand, they know more than you imagine. They understand more than you imagine. So we figured, we saw it within our own kids that, hey, you know, if you eat more grass-fed meat, you're going to, you're going to build muscle. You're going to run faster. You're going to lift. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to run faster. You're going to lift. You're going to lift more, you know, eat avocados for good fat and energy. And you'll jump, you'll jump, you'll have higher jumps, eat more avocados and we'll measure jump, long jump. And what happens is you pair a food with a superpower and explain to them that food is the ultimate medicine. Like good food is medicine, bad food requires medicine, is medicine, bad food requires medicine. So we want to explain, I mean, again, nutrition and nutrient dense food and the importance of staying away from certain artificial dyes, chemicals, natural flavors. I know that sounds good, but that's a whole nother topic we won't go into like yellow dye, yellow five, red, red, all these that have been shown to increase hyperactivity and ADHD and um, attention issues, which doesn't allow our children to thrive. So if you want your children to thrive, how are, you, how are they going to thrive when you give them a toaster strudel and a Pop-Tart and then you send them off to school? You know what's going to happen. Their blood, their blood, their, their glucose is going to, it's going to, it's going to, you spike it at first, but then insulin comes in and then it crashes and then you get all and you get headaches and you can't focus. And then you, you get on this roller coaster of, of, of uh, blood, blood sugar crashes and they can't focus. And then you say, well, you need to put them on Ritalin. You need to put them on drugs. And in reality, maybe some kids, you know, consult your pediatrician, consult your doctors. Maybe some of your kids or kids do need that. But if we can clean up the, clean up the food, if we can get, we can establish good sleep habits and good sleep patterns, if we can, re- if we can reduce screens, and get our kids more outside into nature. These type of things will give our kids the best chance to thrive at an early age. Why not now versus later? So that's kind of the idea what spawned the whole of the whole company. We're kind of like a a wellness company. The idea is kind of like a Disney for wellness is the idea. We want to be go to for kids wellness. So we have all kind of free resources, books, children books, you know, breakfast guides, you know, all kind of resource guides that will help parents and children alike try to move towards, you know, optimal wellness and health, because you can't, you can't be your best. You can't self-actualize or be your best without hitting those basic things, sleep, stress, you know, maintaining your stress, I mean, or, or reducing your stress, mindfulness techniques, sleep, food, connection, purposeful living, all these things really important in order to self-actualize and be the best you can be. So that's, so that's the idea. And my wife's the, you know, is the kind of CEO. She does all the stuff and all, you know, all apparently just all the, all the, uh, you know, resources. Very, very, very useful for kids and parents, obviously parents and their parents. Very yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to ask because that's 
really like the the you know the products or i guess the the mission that you guys are carrying out because you know i kind of see it even in my own life like uh, i've recently had to kind of manage some of the sunday school stuff at my local masjid and you know just like watching a lot of the kids come in and they're all have like all of this they have like candy and stuff that their parents just give them. And it's just like all of this food coloring they have. And then, you know, even when I'm talking with the board at the masjid, talking about like what kind of foods we should, you know, like what foods that they provide for the children during break time. And it's just all this stuff, like all this garbage with like seed oils and food, color, like everything had freaking food coloring in it. It was just, it was just insane to deal with. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that like, just by like buying one of your books, like I read it to my kids at night before bed and it's like one of their favorite stories. Like they understand, like my superhero foods is like, you know, that, that they, they understand, like you said, that a lot of the foods have kind of like uh superhero powers attached with them. And that's kind of like how they remember. So like my kid knows that like, you know, grass fed red meat is good. So he'll like eat a lot of it. He knows like avocados are good for him and he'll eat those. He'll eat like, you know, a lot of fruits and stuff and he'll like avoid a lot of, you know, like sugar, sugary stuff. So like, he kind of like understands just from me reading that book. And I'm really glad that like, you know, people like you and your wife are out there kind of like spreading that message. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. That's really amazing. Mashallah. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, we're all kind of, we're all kind of working together and that's the beautiful low time preference and bringing it kind of all together, health and wellness. Bitcoin, Islam, Islam. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you know, and there's already these, you can hear Balaji talking about the network state and talking about how eventually what's going to happen is we're going to like, we might like migrate into, you know, a community that, for example, like the no sugar community. So, for example, in order to like live in this community, there's no, you can't get sugar, it's like whatever, no processed foods or, or like whatever. It's like people are tending to move into areas actually physically that that they share similar characteristics. I mean, imagine, you know, you're not going to do too well with the shitcoin community. Like if you do a lot better than a Bitcoin maximum, or, you know, someone who, who believes in the ethics of Bitcoin, even if they're not the same faith, you'd be surprised at how much you have in common. It's fascinating. And like you said, Barrington's book is Mar- marvelous. He's a fantastic writer. I think I call yeah. him Shakespeare Bitcoin. His, <laughs> his marvelous. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's powerful. Parker Lewis. I and mean, there's a bunch of, like I said, you know, a bunch of good guys just do so much good work but like you said uh, i think uh health and wellness is absolutely critical and i think it starts with you think it starts with kids and empowering kids and then uh, and then with sleep we have my superhero sleep it's a great little story on teaching how to empower sleep and how it recharges your battery and uh, what do you need to do before sleep checklists and make sure you have have the temperature you know cool and why it's important to take a nice warm bath and the core temperature if you because you take a bath it kind of you know makes the uh-huh. core temperature and it'll, it'll, it'll cause your melatonin to be so we we go into all that stuff it's not you know it's not super sciencey but there but it, it kind of every little tip and trick that is in the story is science based. I've already written a compendium. It's not published yet. All the science sleep book. So, huh. like, why do you need to get morning sun in the first yeah. thirty minutes before you know when the sun's coming up? The first when that sun is thirty degrees or less, it it resets your circadian rhythms. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus in your brain, and it helps you sleep at night by getting fifteen minutes of sunlight in the morning. I know that doesn't make sense, but it, Suppresses melatonin, it makes you feel awake, and it also resets your. It's the best resetter of your of your like your turn your internal clock, known as a circadian rhythm. And uh, we go. I mean, there's just tons of stuff like that, and uh, you know, it's very very important. Yeah, I'm gonna have to probably get that get that book as well because 
you know, I, th- I think, like I said, you know, your book has been very helpful for my children because they actually, you know, they, they, they listen when you actually read it to them and they, they, they take a lot of the advice in there seriously. So alhamdulillah. Well, stay tuned. We have a third one coming out on mindset. Wow. Teaching okay. in growth mindsets. That's so amazing. That's, a- that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So like for, for, for any, for anyone listening, uh, Highly recommend at least for the my superhero foods book. I'll like I said, I'll have a link in the show notes about that. It's it's a wonderful book, especially if you have little ones. I think I think there's a lot of value in being able to communicate these ideas that you know your kids at least start to have good habits when they're younger, so that they're not like doing this stuff like when they're like thirty, forty, or fifty years old. So um, yeah, we don't have, yeah we never have perfection. We're gonna have some days when things are tough, and that's okay. It's yeah. at least. No, I mean, look, we're not perfect and we're never, you know, we don't want to ever shame anyone and we're doing the best we can. And again, there's that Sunny Side Up, which is a book on how to 28 days of, of breakfasts, how to prepare them, when, to, when, what to buy, when to buy, how to pre- prepare for the week, all under 10 minutes, all very nutrient dense food. Very useful for busy parents. I'll send you, I'll send you the books. We got, just, when we get off, just send me your address and I'll send you, I'll send you all our, all our books. I know you uh, have the children. Gonna buy them off your website, so <laughs> so I guess we're gonna I'm gonna conclude in a bit. But I kind of wanted to get your perspective. I know one of the things that you talk about on your Twitter is about men's health. So oh, yeah. just just as like a broad topic, at least just for me, I'm kind of asking this personally. Like, what are some of the things that you think a lot of a lot of men today kind of have uh, have misconceptions about their health? Like, what what are some of the things that men should focus on in terms of their health? these days? I mean, again, it's extremely important. This could be a whole podcast on itself, but I'm going to talk about some of the, just really quick, some of the main issues. I think number one, one in force kind of, you know, they, I get a lot of questions about testosterone. I get a lot of questions about, you know, erectile dysfunction. I get questions regarding pornography. In general, I think the biggest, the biggest problem men have, I would say number one is, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but their lack of attention to sleep. If you sleep well, and I'm and I'm not talking, you know, but you know, people they all get three hours of sleep, or I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yes, I. This is there's look at recommend a great book if you if you want to if you want to read about the importance of sleep. It's called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. It is an compendium of, of everything you need to know about sleep. Fantastic read. So I, men not prioritizing and focusing on sleep or minimizing, and it's absolutely critical for almost everything for your testosterone levels for your ability to lose weight if you're overweight, or it just your ability to not crave junk, to stay on a plan, willpower. It's all associated uh, with, with lack of good sleep. It's fascinating. We're up on our phone, Twitter. We're on our computers. You know, instead of going to bed at 9, 10 o'clock, we're going to bed at 12, 1 o'clock. And then, you know, we get up early for work. We have to go to work. And that has humongous ramifications on like, you know, your quality of sleep, be a non, non-REM sleep, REM sleep, and growth hormone, testosterone, we can, you know, that's a huge topic. So I'd say one is prioritize sleep. I know it sounds crazy. It doesn't, you know, of course, make your fetch your prayer. You know, if you want to get a protected a little bit, go for it. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not saying don't do that. The second thing I would do is prioritize nutrient-dense food, one ingredient as much as possible. Mm. And so nutrient-dense, one ingredient, and stay away from processed food as much as possible. Like, you know, that may include meal prepping because when we're out, you don't have a choice. And sometimes I forget to prep my lunch and I go to the hospital. I'm kind of jammed with, you know, you know, with, you know, chips or, or something that's, I mean, again, we're not perfect, but at the end of the day, one ingredient, nutrient dense, meal prep, stay away from processed food. That's huge, huge there. And then the third thing that's extremely critical for men that's 
the single, these, these are two things you can work on that don't require, you know, much money, don't require medicine. And the third thing is getting into the gym. I mean, mm. not, but work on building your body because if you have a sound body, you have a sound mind. Nobody will take you serious if you don't have a sound body. Like mm. I'm not saying being an Odonis and perfect <laughs> six, but in, it, when you work out, when you have a physique, when you put it's proof of work, it shows this person, okay, he may not be the best dentist or he may not be the best doctor, but you know what? He's got discipline. You know, he's able to control, you know, not, you know, control a lot of things and building your body is probably seemingly the, the food and the sleep are absolutely, absolutely critical. And, and there's also the spiritual component, you know, that we could go as more important, but, but I'm just saying from a, from a materialistic, like medical perspective, I would add, so, so the body, and then I'd add purposeful living and however, you know, however we as Muslims, we know what our purpose is, you know, right. to worship one true God, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, devote ourselves to him. And, and believe in that Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the last messenger. That's clear for us. But whatever that purpose is for you, you've got to have a purpose. Because, I mean, if you don't have, any, if you don't know what you're getting up for, it's hard to sleep because you're so like, you know, like, well, what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to scroll. I don't care. I don't have anything to do. And you're going to eat crap, and then you're going to sleep. Then that is going to mess up your sleep, and sleep's going to make you eat like crap. And then you're going to be like feeling terrible. You're not going to work out. Then you're going to feel like you know, a piece of junk. Then all it's all a. So we call it a, so you have to get a wellness picture and men's health. I mean, you know, we can, again, there's specific topics like low T, low testosterone and sexual dysfunction that we're seeing in younger and younger men. And we real briefly, and I, and I advise, you know, if you're a younger Muslim, it's really ravishing the Muslim world as well. It's pornography. Talk about a ton of different topics. If someone wants to, you know, maybe several months from now, if someone wants to address one of these topics, Hey, Abdullah, or, you know, uh, you know, have him back on for, induced pornography induced erectile dysfunction we'd like to have a, a full discussion on that or hey let's talk about low testosterone erectile dysfunction or you know what are how do we exercise what is the optimal exercise regimen for men you know so what does it mean to exercise you know what does it mean to eat nutrient dense one ingredient whole food and stay away from process you know if you want to go into more of the details but uh pornography is absolutely it's, a, it's an absolute destruction i'm seeing it in my clinic I'm seeing younger men between the ages of 20 and 30 not able to have erections, not able to have relationship with their wives wow. because of an escalation of stimuli. It's a long story. I mean, the details we can talk about later, but it is definitely damaging not only to your sexual performance, it's also damaging to your relationship. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot to be said about that. But my advice is really, you know, get off of the, you know, you know, get off of the porn. Really, you know, there's no good in it. It does not help your sex life. It's, you know, sometimes they recommend in sex therapy. Well, having troubles go that's ridiculous and even wow. though they'll try to say oh no it's okay you know if it's you're watching it to get no 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 you know get off of that it's it's not helpful uh, for many many reasons so that's kind of a very very um, overview of kind of some some important topics um, but i mean any of those topics can be explored in a full two-hour conversation for sure for sure and i you know i apologize for asking such a broad question because i didn't really know like where to focus on but i mean Definitely, there was a lot that kind of resonated with me, especially when you, the first thing you said was about sleep and, you know, being a parent that, you know, especially of younger children, that can be very hard thing to prioritize. So I like kind of how like you're taking that wellness approach to kind of get the children to value their sleep so that when they get their sleep, the parents get sleep. And that's kind of like how, you know, uh, you know, in, in, inshallah, you know, like how I can start 
you know, managing other aspects of my life. Cause I find that like, you know, I, I've, you know, since, since going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I've been eating a lot more red meat. I have not gone full 100% carnivore, but like I eat like steak and ground beef, like every day, like every single day, I make sure to eat that. And, you know, I, I also try to work out. So, you know, alhamdulillah, like I've been working out pretty regularly, but definitely the sleep is kind of like the thing that's really hard to get get control of for me personally. So it's kind of cool that I wasn't expecting such a holistic answer from you, but you kind of like really encapsulated all the aspects of health and wellness and it's all it, interconnected. All inter- It's all interconnected. Well, 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 that's a good summary. And, and you know, saying, you know, me, no doubt, grass-fed, well-sourced meat is fantastic. Got tons and tons of nutrients as well as organ meats. We know this. The, you know, carnivore, I mean, I don't think there's any harm in it. Personally, I think more of a, uh, I think more of a Mediterranean-esque diet. I think there's nothing wrong with salad and tomatoes and cucumbers. And it, now, again, some people may disagree. I mean, if, if, if carnivore works for you, I'm not going to say, no, don't do that. Just my personal opinion, being vilified is absolutely incorrect. I bet fat is good. Fat is good for you. Like saturated fat on, on a ribeye is good. If it's, if it's sourced from a good animal, mm-hmm. butter, or if it's sourced from a good animal, it's fantastic. Olive oil, tallow, these things, of course, we don't want seed oils, but any of these natural fats that are sourced from good uh, animal products, absolutely full of nutrients, full of energy, full of blessing to be able to have that because it gives us that energy. And, you know, a lot, you know, Back in the day, they didn't have as much access to all this meats for us. We could just go and pick up some meat really easy. Yeah. Uh, and it had to be nutrient dense because they would go a couple, obviously, they would intermittent fast because it, it wasn't always available. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it did some intermittent fasting or better yet, fasting, Islamic fasting. That's that's why the Prophet, peace be upon him, Monday and Thursdays, he used to fast usually Monday and Thursdays, and then the three days, 12, 13, 14th of the full moon. Some interesting data there on human behavior and full moon. Scientific studies actually so that prime rates and uh, or go up on the full moons on the, the days of the full moons. It's interesting. So long story short is that uh, in our guidance, you know, we we do believe it's the best guidance. But yeah, I mean, um, I agree with you. We eat, we eat a lot of meat as well. Nothing wrong with meat. Nothing wrong with <laughs> nothing wrong with meat. Your, your problem is the is the again carbs are okay. The right carbs, right? You know, like right. like food beans. You know, not terrible. They're not terrible. I mean, but uh, don't be so afraid of carbs. They have a place. And, they, and again, you know, th- that's, there's a lot to be said about, you know, what diet works for me versus you, Apollo versus my wife. Some mm-hmm. people do very well keto. You know, there's some there's some data that show that keto and, and menstrual cycle, they don't women don't do that well when they're in keto and the menstrual day. So they cycle off during their period. It's fascinating. So I think the key is, is there's no one answer for all. But there are, I would say the one main thing you could say about diets is whole food, nutrient dense, one ingredient. Like mm-hmm. this few possible from the earth, you know what right. I mean? God, you know, or, you know, however you want to say that, that I don't think you can debate that Mediterranean, carnivore, paleo, keto, ketotarian, you know, where there's, you know, there's so many different variants of them. But if you just keep in mind one ingredient, like beans, okay, I mean, I mean, there are, I mean, you know, some people argue that, but at the end of the day, if you tolerate beans, I, I, love, I love raw milk. I think raw milk's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've I've also been addicted to raw milk recently. It's yeah. <laughs> really good stuff. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess I'm I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up. Can you can you tell the audience where to find you online? Yeah, I mean, you know, mostly you can you can find me on Twitter at you know at Tarek Pasha. Fairly fairly active there. You know, mysuperherfoods.com. That's probably the uh, and we have a 
small presence on Twitter, but a pretty large presence on Instagram, mysuperherofoods.com. The website's full of good resources, free eBooks, all kind of information, information where we have what's called my uh, superhero you 2020. Well, it was 2022. Now it's 23. So you can actually each month we say bye to something and hello to something. And you go throughout the year as a family trying to work. It's free, all free. And, like, okay, for example, like, you know, hello, healthy fats. So what are healthy fats? Where do you get them? What are, what are health? I mean, what is a saturated fat? What's an unsaturated fat? What's a polyunsaturated fat? And it goes over these in really simplistic ways that we do the writing. And, uh, you know, we, we you know, that's a, it's a great source for anyone who wants wellness. And, and then other than that, you know, like uh, that, that's, that's two main, main, main places. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Awesome. Th- thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. This has been great. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.